you know, um, something that uh, happy warriors really do need to uh, understand is that there are times in life where looking backwards doesn't help. Looking back to see the things that hurt you and the things that people did to you and the things that society did or this did or that did or your parents did, looking back just isn't worthwhile. Looking forwards is all that matters. And uh, and that's not always true, but it's true in a lot of instances. And I don't think it was more effectively expressed by any philosopher more than by the character called Franco in an old 1976 comedy classic called The Gumball Rally. And the Gumball Rally, of course, is a car race, an informal car race between New York and Los Angeles. And by the way, a new record for it was just recently set in spring early 2020 during the uh, height of the coronavirus lockdown insanity where the streets were empty uh, two individuals took advantage to of racing from new york from new york to los angeles i think in about 27 hours which is if you think about it quite amazing uh, but they took advantage of the empty streets at any rate the comedy uh, has one of the characters, Franco. By the way, the stars of the comedy, you don't need to know the names of the actors. They're not important. But the real stars are the cars. And the, the, the good thing about the movie is the, the director allowed the cars to be the stars. The only soundtrack that matters in that movie is the full-throated roar of the cars, the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis and everything else that participated. So for anybody who has any gasoline in his veins at all, uh, the Gumball Rally from 1976 is a must, and it, these immortal words spoken by the great philosopher Franco, the Italian driver, um, rips the mirror out of the, <laughs> the rearview mirror, rips it out of the Ferrari, tosses it away, and speaks these immortal words about what's behind you. Uh, see what you think. First rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. Welcome, you happy warriors, to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works. And one of the ways the world really works is that laughter is important. Laughter is a part of what makes us human. Now, obviously, there are uh, sad, depressing, vulgar, and obscene things that make people laugh, but there are also uplifting things that make people laugh in sheer exhilaration and joy and delight. And the kind of jokes that I like most are those that contain a thought-provoking germ of insight and truth. And they are few and far between, I will concede. Uh, but I will also point out that you've never, ever heard your rabbi start off the show with a joke. And the joke I start off with is an old one. Uh, you've probably heard it. And I'm not even terribly good at telling it. But it doesn't matter because the germ of insight and truth within it will still shine forth like a blazing beacon of incandescence. And this joke is um, 
the man talking to his friend and the friend says so you know how are you and your wife getting on he says oh you know it's great ever since we came to an agreement about how decisions are going to be handled in our family now everything is smooth as could be friend said that well that sounds very interesting i wonder if it's anything i can learn from tell me your arrangement he says very simple i put my foot down and i insisted that all the major decisions i will be handling and since that day uh, it's worked beautifully. I do handle all the major decisions. I speak about what we should do if China invades Taiwan. I make all the decisions about Russia. I decide what our country's energy policies should be, and I decide how many miles from our coast uh, should be uh, called uh, American territory. And the man said, well, that sounds wonderful. And what does your wife decide? He said, well, she gets all the small matters, right? She decides uh, how we should spend our budget. She decides where we should live. She decides what sort of school the children should attend and how they should be raised. And she decides how we should relate to our neighbors and relatives. But uh, it's the system works perfectly. And that is the joke. And of course, we all understand the point. And that is that there are big issues going on all the time in life. There really are. Uh, there, there are d demonstrations and protests and riots and this and there's politics and election. There's huge things going on all the time. And they are all big and they're important and they are real. But the truth is that your life, your welfare, the condition of your future depends not on the big things, but on all the small things. And what are the small things? Well, you know already, they are the famous five F's, right? Fitness, physical fitness is the first F. And surely, right now, there is something you ought to be doing in that area. Should you be exercising more? Should you be determining, as from now, to eat less or to eat healthier? Maybe you need to make uh, that long-postponed doctor's appointment you've been neglecting. But whatever it is, your fitness could probably be a little bit better than it is now. Admittedly, it's not as important as what to do if China invades Taiwan, but it's more important for you and your future. And uh, then there is, obviously, uh, friendships, right? That's another second F, your social connections. Are you maintaining them? Are you nurturing them? Are you trying to increase them? Obviously difficult at this time, but not impossible. Uh, are you f making new friends and building your... No, not on Facebook. I'm talking about the real world. And... Uh, Again, you could be enhancing your social life, which has huge benefits in each of the other four areas, the other four Fs as well. And uh, uh, how's about um, uh, family, right? There, should, there are things that you could be doing. I don't know what your situation is. Obviously, everyone's at their own stage. Maybe you're not married yet. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you have to think seriously about how to take that step and make that a real part of your planning going forward. Maybe you are. Maybe the relationship with your spouse needs work. You have to, maybe you have to restore that and rebuild the connection and the love 
Uh, maybe the, uh, the question is one of whether you are paying enough attention to your child raising. Right? Are you focused correctly? Are you doing the right things? But there are a lot of issues in, in this particular F of family. And there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever that whoever you are and wherever you are, uh, your life could be improved by taking certain steps in the F for family category. And uh, in the faith area, number four, yes, uh, are, you, are you good with God? Um, are you good with spiritual reality? Is your relationship in that dimension comfortable and healthy? Um, one of the good tests for that, by the way, is uh, whether you feel awkward and uncomfortable praying. I'm talking about privately even, not, not, you know, not a case of is anyone seeing you. That, that's a different story. But uh, one of the clues, one of the dead giveaways that you need to do some work on the faith front is an awkwardness about your relationship with God. Um, and then finance, the fifth one, finance. Um, are there things you should be doing right now to enhance that fifth F? You know there are. Now, I don't know exactly what they are, but you do. Maybe it means you should be giving a little more time to work and a little less time to entertainment. It is surely a bad sign in a culture when every newspaper each day brings news of yet a new streaming service. Right? If it's not Netflix, it's Amazon Prime. If it's not Amazon Prime, it's Hulu. If it's not Hulu, it's 27 others. And uh, you hear of accounts of people binge-watching. Like, what is happening to the five Fs in the lives of people who watch a show from beginning to end, all the episodes for, for 23 hours or something? What is going on in their lives? Now, that's extreme. I'm sure no happy warrior is doing anything like that. But are you perhaps wasting more time than you should on entertainment. Well, that's a good point. How much should you waste on entertainment? Um, the answer is zero. There's absolutely no future in it. There's no point in it. It does absolutely nothing for your life. Well, I need some relaxation. That's why there's something called a gym. Now, if you watch entertainment while you are working out, it's not quite as good as listening to this podcast while you're working out, but you get the, the point. And I'm, I'm being only slightly frivolous here. I mean, the, uh, the point is that uh, uh, you probably could recover uh, many hours in your week. If you're anything close to average, and I know that if you're a happy warrior, you're obviously not average, uh, then you could certainly do more on the finance side of your life maybe it's just you know a discipline maybe saving more maybe being careful in some areas of your budget but whatever it is uh, it's it goes without saying that these five areas your fitness your friendships your family your faith and your finances are admittedly yes the small things in life compared to those really big important questions that are swirling maelstrom like around the foundations of our culture and out of, of our society obviously those are the big questions but your rabbi has a very simple truth for you today and that is that your life will be impacted by how diligently you devote yourself to the small questions of your life, the five F's.
the things you could and should be doing to improve your family, your friendships, your faith, your fitness, and your finances. Now, why aren't you doing them? I mean, I'm sure you agree with me you could be doing more in each of those five areas, right? Because you're human, and each and every one of us realizes we can do better in those five areas, with very few exceptions, by the way, none of whom I know. And uh, what do you do? Well, you would do it, right? So what's stopping you? Very simple. In your head, you do know that there are things that you can do to improve your finances, can improve your relationship with God, improve friendships and family matters. And yes, there are things you can do to improve physical fitness. I detailed just one or two of each category earlier. But if I asked you to write down a list right now of 10 things you could start doing or stop doing that would help each of those five categories. In other words, make 50 notes just on a, on, a, on a quick piece of paper, just a short phrase or sentence 50 times. The 10 things you could do to improve your fitness, the 10 things you could do or not do to improve your finances, the 10 things you could do or not do to improve your friendships, the 10 things uh, you could do or not do to, Im to improve your uh, fitness and finance and faith and, uh, f and family and, uh, and fitness. Yeah, uh, 10 on each you know you could draw that list up, right, very, very quickly. And it might be an interesting exercise to actually help you. Again, if you are uncomfortable doing that, uh, that is in itself a sign of a problem. Seriously, because sometimes confronting the truth is very, very painful. Uh, we all find it a little easier to function uh, in an imaginary world. Uh, there is a very interesting um, situation in the book. And, and again, I hope you don't mind me uh, introducing some biblical themes every now and then. But uh, some of you are interested as to where the source is for certain pieces of ancient Jewish wisdom. And uh, talking about the difficulty of confronting the truth. Uh, the dangerous tendency that we all have to take refuge in an imaginary world. Now, you might think that's something that only children do or people who suffer from mental problems do, but no, everybody does it. And we're warned about this quite amazingly um, in the book of Numbers, where uh, we're told that uh, the children of Israel complained to Moses. And you'll find this if you're interested in Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. And what happens there, the children of Israel are uh, sort of uh, simmering in a rebellious mode against their leader, Moses. And uh, the, the thing that happens is the rabble that was among them uh, developed a craving and the children of Israel wept again and they said who will feed us meat we remember the fish that we used to eat in Egypt free of charge and the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic in other words a really luxurious food right this we didn't eat bread and water we ate you know uh, Chilean sea bass lightly seared with green onions and leeks with melons on the side and pickled cucumbers 
I mean, this is crazy. Now, is that really how slaves in Egypt were fed, do you think? Um, particularly, particularly considering that uh, way back in the book of Exodus, you might remember that Moses and Aaron went to speak to Pharaoh soon after the burning bush, and they really irritated him. And he ended up making the conditions of the Hebrew slaves much worse than they had been before. And he said to them in chapter 5, verse 17, uh, you're idle, you're just idle. Go back. All you want to do is you make excuses. You want to sacrifice to the Lord. Stop it now and get back to work. And what's more, from now onwards, no straw will be given to you. You will still deliver the same quantity of bricks you always did. Get to work right now. And um, the children of Israel were pretty upset with Moses. And they said, look, not only didn't you get us out, you've made things worse for us. Uh, how worse? Well, you, you know what uh, reinforced concrete is, right? It's cement, and in it are embedded uh, rods or bars or wires of steel, sometimes under tension, depending on what kind of concrete you want. Uh, but the bottom line is the cement plus the steel comes uh, produces something very strong. Uh, uh, plastic, if you want to build um, airplane parts or boat parts out of plastic then you must put glass fibers inside it to give it tensile strength it's called fiberglass or glass reinforced plastic grp um, and uh, similarly you're making bricks out of mud you need to put straw in to provide that uh, longitudinal strength at least to some extent and so without straw you don't get bricks you can use and um, Pharaoh now says, I used to give you straw, now not. Now you've got to go find your own straw, and you've still got to keep up the, the brick construction. So that's just to give you an idea of the conditions. Does it sound plausible to you that a Pharaoh who wouldn't even give them straw for the bricks they had to deliver on quota um, fed them with these luxurious meals, <laughs> seared, lightly seared Chilean sea bass with green onions and leeks? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So what are they talking about? The answer is they're living in their imagination. Uh, they find being in the desert now scary and frightening, and they don't want to deal with it. And they dream of how things used to be better, and they want to blame Moses for worsening their situation. And, uh, and they do that by saying, we remember how wonderful things were in Egypt till you started up with us. Everything was great. We ate well. Everything was good. And now you dragged us out of that paradise into this barren desert where we're just going to die. That kind of uh, imagination is tremendously dangerous. We're all a party to it. And, um, and when it comes to improving our lives, we tend to also live in a bit of an imaginary world you know we let's, it is what it is we're doing the best we can everything is fine because it is actually painful to confront the truth and say to yourself uh yeah you know what there actually are 50 things i could start doing not tomorrow not on monday not next week today not later today now there are 50 things i could actually start doing now 10 that would improve my faith, 10 would improve my finances, 10 would improve my family, 10 would improve my friendships, 10 would improve my physical fitness, 
Are they big matters concerning social movements in the country? Do they have much to do with turbulence swirling? No, these are the small things, right? Excepting they're the things that really impact your life, improve your future, and fill you with a sense of happiness and achievement when you get right down to it. And so it's so easy to say to yourself, I should really take care of some of these big things. I should go out and join a demonstration against climate change and against fossil fuel usage. I've got to be an, a citizen, a responsible citizen of the world. I've got to care about the people. Yeah, very nice. Congratulations, Pat, Pat, Pat. Um, but uh, you're wrecking your life is what you're doing because there are things you need to be, the small things, <laughs> the things you should be doing right now. Now, I'm sure there's not a single one of you happy warriors who would dispute with me, who would right now raise your hand and say, hold it right there, Rabbi, you're wrong about this. What am I speaking about? The following proposition, that if you would do what your head tells you you need to do, when you need to do it, you will improve your life. You will improve your life far more than by attending to any of the big things in the world. Just these five small things. Each one, ten items that you could improve right now. Certain things you'd start doing, certain things you'd stop doing. Right. In other words, we all agree that if you would do what you know you ought to do, and you, should, you would do it not tomorrow or some indeterminate time in the future, but right now, you'll improve your life. Which uh, brings us to the uh, obvious question, which is, why aren't you doing them? Right? Simple enough question. Why aren't you doing them? Well, like many simple questions... The answer is both complicated and simple. What is the simple answer to that question? The answer is you lack the self-discipline. I'm sorry, right? And I'm not speaking just to you. I'm speaking to me too. I'm just letting you eavesdrop. I'm just letting you listen in because this is true for all of us. Right? You know there are things you should be doing. I'm sure you could come up with a list of 50 things you should stop or start doing right now, and you're not doing them. Why not? You lack the discipline, that's all. Uh, you find it easy to postpone. You find it easy to procrastinate. You find it easy to be distracted by other things, all of which are really important, big things, excepting that you know they're not. So it would appear to be simple, right? As a matter of fact, I could now end the show and say, hey, uh, have a great week till next time we're together. Bye-bye for now. But you see, it's not quite so simple. Like uh, complicated questions, they have answers that are both simple and complicated i told you the simple part of the answer is hey you need more discipline end of story do you doubt that your life would be more successful than it is in all those five areas and that you would therefore be a happier person if you did all these things yeah you agree with that um and you should be very grateful to me now because i've told you why you are not doing them and the answer is you lack discipline great Terrific. I've now told you. End of story. And off we go. I go home. You go home. We're done for the day. Excepting I am your rabbi. And I care about you. I do. I care about each and every listener to this show.
not to the same extent I care about my family, not to the same extent I care to the uh, care about close friends. But again, if I told you I care about everyone in the whole world the same way, you'd know that I'm a big fake and a big fraud and uh, a big phony because that simply isn't true. If I deny the reality of a hierarchy of love and care, then I'm a real nobody. Uh, I'm worth nothing at all. So, yes, of course there's a hierarchy. And to say that I care most about my family um, is not to say I don't care about my friends. And to say I care a lot about my friends is not to say I don't care about the listeners to this show. I do. And uh, I would never leave you dangling like that. In fact, it would be very frustrating. I've really done nothing but tantalize you and tease you. Isn't that right? Oh, guess what? Guess why you are not doing as well as you could be doing in all those areas? Well, <laughs> you like discipline. And that's it for today, folks. No, we're going to now get into the main topic of today. We're now going to come to the part that really counts. This is the important part, teaching of how the world, yes, really works. That's right. And what is it? Uh, the answer is that you have to develop discipline. Because the secret to everything we're speaking about now is discipline. Right? Here are he these 50 items you wrote down on a piece of paper, some of which you require you to start doing things, others require you to stop doing wrong things, and these will improve your life dramatically. All you need is discipline. Fine. Okay, so I need discipline. I don't want a policeman. I don't want a bodyguard. I don't want a personal trainer. I want this to be internal myself. How do I do it? Right? It's, it sounds nice. But obviously, none of us have as much self-discipline as we wished we had. And so how do we improve that? How do we gain on that? And that is, I think, the, the, the most important part now of today's show, what I'm going to be telling you. The answer is that starting right now, not tomorrow, not tonight, but starting right now, you begin to introduce just one item of discipline into your life a small matter a very small matter let me give you a wonderful example uh, it was from a speech given by admiral mcraven of the united states navy to the graduating class of the university of texas in um, the summer of 2014 and um, I, I forget the name of the speech, but what he said was, he said, if you want to change the world, you want to do all those big things out there, you first of all got to take care of the little things, basically uh, similar to what we've been talking about so far in today's show. But um, uh, he said, here's the first thing. Every morning, and I'm quoting him now directly. Every morning in basic SEAL training, my instructors, who at the time were all Vietnam veterans, would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they would inspect was your bed. If you did it right, the corners would be square, the covers pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. That's Navy talk for bed. It was a simple task, mundane at best. But every morning, we were required to make our bed to perfection. It seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in light of the fact that we were inspiring to be real warriors, tough, battle-hardened seals. But the wisdom of this simple act, 
has been proven to me many times over. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. By the end of that day, that one task completed will have turned into many completed tasks. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter, because if you can't do the little things right, you will never do the big things right. Isn't that terrific? Now, I'm not saying that making your bed is perhaps exactly what you should choose. You will know if you sit in quiet darkness for no more than five minutes with no outside stimulation, right? Not without your phone, without a book, without a television, without a radio, nothing. Just put yourself in a dark room and force yourself to focus your thoughts in your mind. By the way, that sounds simple to say, a lot harder to do. Many of us are not accustomed to focusing our mind for any period of time. Partially, overexposure to entertainment has adjusted our attention span and uh, reduced our ability to keep our mind focused on a very specific problem for a specific period of time. But go ahead, give yourself five minutes in a dark room, no outside stimulation, to think about what your version of make your bed should be. Maybe it is, but whatever it is, the you know, forget the big things right now, right? All the important things on on your list. Remember those 50 things we spoke about? Put them aside for just a moment, because right now, our main number one task is building up our self-discipline. And with that, in that process, as we move along in that, we will then be able to start knocking off those 50 items on our most important to-do list in our lives right now at this present time. So what do you have to do? Uh, you've got to figure out what is your first thing. Is it to do uh, uh, 20 minutes of exercise in the day? Uh, is it? I, I don't know. For each and every one of us, it's going to be something else. But you need to pick one small thing. You know, why is that? And again, I think it might be helpful for you to realize just how important is this point if I give you some of the background to it. Right. The point is, as Admiral McRaven correctly said, once you have done one thing, once you have acted on discipline, meaning that your discipline has translated an action into a regularity, into a habit, you're halfway there. Because going back to his example of making the bed, after 30 days of that, you're not going to notice it anymore. It's just what you do. You jump out of bed, you make your bed. Or maybe if it's exercising, you jump out of bed and you exercise, whatever it is. But the idea is to use what little discipline you might have at the moment, and we've all got some, to use what little we have to go ahead and do one thing regularly and routinely without fail. You know, is my life really going to be improved by making my bed or doing 20 minutes of exercise? <laughs> no, but your life will be dramatically improved by the vast increase in self-discipline you will be building. See, because self-discipline is a, a, it's sort of a spiritual muscle, and the same rules that apply to physical muscles apply to spiritual muscles as well. And so if you allow a physical muscle to have no exercise, it'll begin to atrophy and be useless to you. If you stop using your self-discipline muscle and in a soft, self-indulgent culture with people spending a lot of time eating a little bit too well, 
and enjoying a little too much passive entertainment where things are beamed into your eyes and into your hearts, uh, it becomes a little more difficult. So going ahead and building that up is hugely important. Will your life be improved by making your bed? Well, not directly, but your life will be dramatically improved by the increase in self-discipline that will come from that. But we're not through yet because making the bed is just a small matter or whatever. Others, you must pick a small matter. It's got to be something that will that your small amount of current self-discipline will enable you to muster up the force to do, the will and the purpose to do. So uh, you pick that thing and you do it. Why? Because that makes the next thing easier. From where do I know this? Well, um, I know it from uh, the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, verse 3. And what 26 verse 3 says, and listen, listen carefully to this. If you walk in my statutes and you keep my commandments, you will do them. Now, the King James translation gets a little wrong here. They say, and you will do them. Then I will give you all these benefits that then flow. But the correct trans uh, translation in ancient Jewish wisdom of these very precise Hebrew words and in Hebrew, it's ve'et mitzvotai tishmeru va'asitem otam. Uh, it is, if you keep, if you go with my, if you walk in my statutes and my commandments, you keep, and you will do them. So, in other words, the implication is that doing certain things makes it easier to do follow-up other things. Very important. Now, if, uh, if you're writing this book and you come across the sentence, which I've just read, if you walk in my statutes and you do my commandments and you do and you keep my commandments and you do them you will do them then you would think that the opposite would read but if you do not walk in my statutes and you do not keep my commandments then you won't do them well let's go from chapter 6 26 excuse me chapter 26 verse 3 in Leviticus to chapter 26 verse 14 and this is now the negative and instead of being the opposite of verse 3, instead of saying, and if you don't walk in my statutes and you don't keep my commandments, here's what it actually says. But if you will not listen to me and you will not do all these commandments, like who said anything about listen? That didn't come up in chapter 26, verse 3. And in verse 14, all of a sudden, it's got listen. And then the next verse says, and if you despise my statutes, hey, what are you talking about? The first time you said, if you do my statutes, all the good things, you walk in my statutes, all these things will happen, be very good. And now it should just say, if you don't, but it says, no, if you despise them. And what ancient Jewish wisdom explains about this strange lack of parallelism, this disparity between these two languages in chapter 26, verse 3 and four, verse 14, um, is that, first of all, there's spiritual gravity. If you abandon a good habit, it's a lot easier than getting a good habit. If you develop a bad habit, it's a whole lot easier than developing a good habit. But if you are a regular listener uh, to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin show, then you know we've already studied this idea of spiritual gravity. Uh, things that pull you down, 
things that tend to resist every attempt you make to improve your life. And that's what we're talking about. The five F's are the five areas for you to focus on. And, you know, we spoke earlier about uh, drawing up a list of 10 items for each of the five F's. Um, Those are all hard to do. And there is spiritual gravity trying to stop you from doing it. That's one uh, piece of information from ancient Jewish wisdom on these disparities in uh, Leviticus 26. And the second is that doing one thing leads you to do the next thing. So let's say you want to accomplish B, and you think, I'm not going to worry about A. A is so simple, I can do it anytime I want. You're going to find it very hard to do B, particularly if it's a little more challenging than A. And how about C? C is really much harder. I'm not interested in A and B. It's more important that I do C. And it turns out that you never get to do C because you haven't yet built up your self-discipline. So you need to pick a small thing and build that into your into your life so as that you're doing it unthinkingly on autopilot, that you've overcome spiritual gravity. You've overcome your natural resistance to doing these things, and you are now able to really just do them. Then you move on to item B. A little bit harder, but you've already equipped yourself. You've strengthened that muscle to fight against the spiritual gravity. And then item C, now we're getting somewhere. And you all of a sudden find you are able to do it. In this way, little by little, you build up your discipline. Easy? Absolutely not. Get ready for the fight of your life. But it is for your life. It's worth it. It's hugely effective. Building up your self-discipline. And every one of us could well use more self-discipline, right? A little bit like finances, right? There's, there's no reason to deny the fact that, yes, you could use more money. You absolutely could. And could you use more family closeness, either with uh, a spouse or with children? Could you use more sibling close? Yeah. Could you use more friendships in your life? Of course you could. Who couldn't, right? And more fitness? Absolutely. And a little more of God in your life? I, I, I think probably. I mean, now, again, it's, it's emotionally laden for, for many of us, and, uh, and we're not all able to, to recognize that. And there, again, uh, we live in that um, world of imagination, where we imagine how things were or how they are, and we avoid confronting reality because confronting reality, frankly, is painful. You know that. And that's why we seek refuge in an imaginary world. Children aren't the only ones who do this. They learned it from us. (laughs) It's completely natural and perfectly normal to seek refuge from pain in imagination. Now, uh, that's a whole lot better than seeking refuge from pain in drugs or in alcohol, obviously. But that's exactly what those are. And, um, And we seek refuge preferably in imagination because it's a lot easier to deal with. Now, getting out of the habit of imagination and into reality and building up the self-discipline, I got to tell you, it is probably every bit as hard as getting rid of alcoholism or getting rid of a drug addiction. It is hard. There's no question about it. But if you think about it, you realize you could do it by starting off small and building up that muscle little by little by little. Uh, Charles Atlas, many years ago, used to run ads in all the children's comics 
about the 90-pound weakling who uh, uh, was out with his girlfriend on the beach and somebody kicked sand in his face. And Charles Atlas says, come along and uh, become like this. And he shows a picture of a real He-Man. And um, and the only thing he doesn't tell uh, kids in the ad is that you don't start off lifting, uh, pressing 150 pounds. You don't start off there. You start off with something you can do, something small, and you do it repetitively. And then you increase the weight. And then you increase the amount of time you do an exercise for. You increase the distance you run. But you don't start off with something that will break you, not make you. You start off with what you can do. As Admiral McRaven so admirably put it, make your bed in the morning. And it's, it's just a really good example. For many people, that's exactly what they should be doing. But for, for many others, there'll be something else. You sit in that dark room for five minutes, focusing your mind on, I'm serious by, with that, by the way, try this exercise. I'm sure you've not done it. Uh, certainly, you haven't done it for many, many years. So do it today. When you've got a little time where there's no one around, where you don't have to explain yourself to anybody, just put yourself in a dark room. Don't lie down, by the way. Uh, sit. Uh, Lying down just automatically brings a sleep relaxation reflex. So sit or stand, dark room, set a timer, five minutes, and just focus. By the way, you'll be extraordinarily amazed at just how uh, much you accomplish. Right now, I'm suggesting you do it in order to find out what your make your bed moment is. What is the one thing you should start doing, not tomorrow, actually today, as close to right now as possible? Uh, Find out what that thing is. In other words, what is the starting weight that Charles Atlas would give you in his gym on your journey from being a 90-pound weakling to a real 180-pound he-man? It's a long process. But it's a process based on gradual strengthening. Our discipline is a spiritual muscle, just like a physical muscle. Don't uh, damage it by over by by stressing it, but um, have it tackle something it can do, and do it repeatedly. And guess what? You're ready to move on to the next level. Then, what I'm telling you, friends, is truly life changing. But but you can see that for yourself, right? You, you know that, that it is so, and, um, and, and perhaps the most valuable thing that uh, I have told you, at least in the past week. So uh, I think so, depending. Some of you may get exposure to some other material I do, whether it's in coaching or couples counseling or, or thought tools or Ask the Rabbi or any of the other things you'll find at our website at rabbidaniellappin.com. Uh, but it is valuable, and I'm I'm going to pretty much leave it here because I want you to be able to, if necessary, listen to this program one more time to try and lock in the concept and also your determination to actually do something about it. Friends, uh, you want to change the world, you want to make the world a better place, start off with the one person you can actually control, that's you. And the way to control you is with self-discipline. And the way to get self-discipline is to build it in exactly the same kind of program you would use if you were building a physical muscle instead of a spiritual muscle. Go for it, and God bless you, because this really can change your life in so many critically important ways. 
the five F's to begin with, because your life will improve dramatically when you can get all these small things lined up. And then not only will you have the ability to tackle the big things, but you will also have the influence and the resources and the power to be able to do those big things. Visit the website, please, rabbidaniellappin.com. You will see that you can get our three-volume set of thought tools, and um, I recommend you get it right away. This is good for you and good for me. It's a transaction from which we both benefit, because even if you already have it, you will find that each of those three books is a standalone and makes a very fine and very economical gift that a recipient will find really helpful. Uh, Over 50 concepts, ideas from ancient Jewish wisdom in each book, and uh, they apply in different areas. Some of them are specifically in the area of finance. Others are in fitness. Others are family or friendships or faith. But um, they all bring progress to these critical zones in your life that you really do need to start working on. Thank you for spending time with me. The website, rabbidaniellappin.com. Please continue the good work in spreading the word on this show. Not to everybody, you know, not out there in the world, because it's not appropriate for everyone in the world. Not everybody is a happy warrior. But uh, somebody you think about and you say to yourself, you know, this person has potential to be a real happy warrior. Uh, Go ahead. Let them know about the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. That's good for me, it's good for you, and it's good for them. They'll thank you for the favor. I will have one more stimulating person to care about, and they will have access to ancient Jewish wisdom that is life-enhancing, that really does make a difference. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and the incentive, and yes, indeed, the discipline uh, each and every week to bring you the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. So let me wish you a week of good times with your faith, your fitness, your finances, your friendship, and your families. Have a great week. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless.